Welcome, ladies, to the Real Estate Investor Show, providing inspiration, strategies, and insight to empower women investors to live balanced and financially free lives. Now, here are your co-hosts, Liz and Andressa. So on today's episode, ladies, we have Rebecca Moore. She's a multifamily syndicator with close to 3,000 doors under her belt and under management. What I think you're going to get a lot from today's episode is we go through how she's setting herself up for success in today's economy, in today's market, how she's underwriting deals, how she's getting creative on the financing side. And most importantly, we talk about asset management. What metrics, specific metrics, is she holding her property management partners holding them accountable to? And we really go through what those are and then how she approaches it with her property managers. You're going to get a lot from today's episode, so stay tuned. Before we get into that, let's have a word from our sponsors. You ever feel like your vacation rental since empty too often? Missing out on potential income? Look, you're not alone. Many property owners struggle with underperforming bookings and the complexities of property management. But here's some good news. Vacasa outperforms other property managers in 92% of the markets they operate. They've helped homeowners like you increase their bookings by an average of 24%, turning those empty days into profitable opportunities. Want to see what your earnings could look like with Vacasa? Visit biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa, spelled V-A-C-A-S-A, and get a free personalized income estimate today. That's biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. Welcome back, ladies. This is Liz, and welcome back to the Real Estate Invest Her Show. I'm so excited to be joined by Rebecca Moore. Hey, Rebecca, thank you for being on our show today. It's great to be here, Liz. Thanks for having me. So excited to jump into Rebecca's story. She is a multifamily investor. She's got close to 3,000 units with her husband. So they're doing a lot in this space of multifamily. And it is an interesting space right now, especially in today's market. So we're going to be talking about her, her investments, how they're thriving in today's market, and a bunch of other important pieces to run your properties efficiently and effectively. So excited to have you here today, Rebecca. I am running solo for those, uh, new to our show or have been with us since the beginning five years ago. You know, I'm missing my partner in crime here, Andressa. But I, I love her. I adore her. And and she will be back with us very, very soon. So I just wanted to mention that. But I'm excited to be uh, with you here today, uh, Rebecca. We're going to jump in. Before we get into the, the throes of multifamily in today's market, uh, I want to ask you, what lesson has taken you the longest to learn along your journey? <laughs> okay. We, the lesson. We start deep. <laughs> yes, very good. Not comparing myself to 
other syndicators okay. uh, might be might be one of them. And and that might be, you know, thinking, oh, I need to go faster. I, I should be buying more. I should be doing more. And no, I shouldn't. I shouldn't. I'd rather be the tortoise than the hare. <laughs> I, I think that by underwriting well, very conservative, knowing my market, and feeling very good about my purchase helps me to then get this great product for my investors. And we can't look in any area of our lives, we can't compare to other people. We are on our own journey. So and true. sometimes that's hard to, to not look one way or the other and say, how am I doing? It's so true, right? And I think we have that comparison, you know, syndrome. Uh, I see it even with my children, right? My nine-year-old who's starting that, you know, and certain camps that his friends are going to that he's not going to and, and what they're going to get. And, you know, it's just interesting how it begins at an early age, right? The, the Jones effect, if you will, of where, where we are and being kind of happy and grateful with where we are versus compar comparing, right? And social media doesn't help. <laughs> it just no. doesn't, right? Because it looks like everyone's got this perfect life. Everyone's vacationing. Everyone's just, you know, drinking wine in the tar, you know, on, on the beach. And you're like, oh, you know, not feeling that today. You know, I'm having yeah. a tough day. <laughs> yes. So I, I love that. I love that. And I think we, we really hold that very true with our, our community. It's not about the doors you own. It's about the lifestyle you have and how much you actually yes. own of those buildings. So that's great. Great advice and great, great insight. So let's talk a little bit about your, your journey. And I know you and your husband built, uh, you know, a large portfolio to date, which is which is a very impressive. Um, I'm curious a little bit about because uh, I know you said you come from a military wife background. So tell us a little bit about that background, and and then how you really got, uh, you know, to, to your first got got your first purchase underway in terms of multifamily, and and then we can kind of get into some specifics. Okay, sure. Yeah, that's a great story. So um, I was or. Yeah, I was a full-time psychologist uh, out in San Diego, and uh, I met my sailor uh, there in San Diego. Uh, Warren uh, was, at the time, a commander in the Navy. He's a captain. Anyhow, uh, we met, and we, you know, get shipped from one side of the nation to the other, and Warren had bought some single family homes during his time and then of course we bought uh more together and at the time when it came where he was going to retire from the navy we were thinking okay what are we going to do with all of these houses because they were in different states and all run by a property management company of course because we would be off from one place to another so we were thinking, all right, sixplex, eightplex, you know, how can we get started in this type of business? And uh, of course, we had read Rich Dad Poor Dad. We were on our way and we went to a real estate expo and we learned about syndications. So we got involved with a group in Dallas and it was just eye-opening, uh, amazing, thinking that as a team, we could go much further than on our own. Mm. So, now at the time, Warren, my husband, was uh, the commander of many ships, and so he could not leave San Diego. 
I was working full-time as a psychologist, so on the weekends, about every other month, I would be flying back and forth to Dallas because that's where my education in syndication was. That's where the market was because living in California, it's not as easy to do syndications. And of course, Dallas was thriving. Now, this is back in 19, excuse me, 2014. And again, uh, just huge population growth there. So that's how that was the thinking of of our what are we going to do with our retirement homes per se? How are we going to build our wealth? That's the direction that we took. And and just out of curiosity, do you keep those single families or did you actually do like a 1031 into to the multifamily, uh, the larger multis? What was your strategy? Do you still have those? Just curious about, you know, because we as we as we pivot, right? It, it, the question is, how do we pivot powerfully? Do we do we keep the current assets that we have or do we roll them into something new? I'm curious, what, what did you and your husband do? Yes, we decided to sell actually two. Uh, we kept one and uh, we, yeah, we have the one still because uh, this is one he bought in 1992 and it has the same renter in it still. Wow. So, so that's kind wow. of incredible. I'll keep that too, just for that reason. <laughs> right, right. We wanted to be able to put our money more so into multifamily. So, um, yes. We uh, invested those proceeds from the house into more multifamily because we could see how quick it can grow. Yeah, that's great. So, so you, and you're commuting. So you're working as a psychologist. You're living in San Diego. You start buying properties and educating yourself too, as as you you know pivoted into syndications. You're doing all this every other month. You're traveling to to Texas. That's intense. Yes, so, okay. it was. What kept you going to keep doing that? First of all, the burning desire to have more, and I don't mean necessarily for myself, but uh, growing up a lot like uh, like you have talked about, growing up with not so much uh, scarcity mentality, uh, that gave me the drive to be able to have more in my retirement for that sort of fear that Am I going to outlive my money, et cetera? So having to take care of that. Uh, But even more so, the group that I joined was such a great group with so many great people. It was like going to see my friends every other month. And uh, again, that burning desire to learn this business of syndication and get good at it. Yeah, I I love that. I I love what you said. I want to just make a note of it. I wrote it down. With a team, you can go much further than you can go on your own. Mm-hmm. And, and we know that, right? We hear that. But it, it is so true, especially in terms of multifamily investing. It, it's just really tough to be, you know, amazing at asset management, acquisitions, you know, and, and raising money and working with investors. There's just so many different roles to be, to be effective in and you need to be good in. It's hard to do it all yourself. And we learned that as well. When we when we pivoted to small multis where we were kind of doing it ourselves, you know, we really said, okay, we need some new partners. So I'd love to get to that uh, with, with you. So so let's do that. So you're commuting. Now you're starting to buy multis. What uh, what was that first multi that you bought, you and your husband? Was it with this group or on, what was the first one you bought on your own? I, I, the, the, let's ask that. Let, let me ask that one. 
Yeah, I would say actually all of ours have been, let's say, with our group. And there I met uh, my first partner, Dustin Miles, and he was an engineer. Me being a social scientist, it was a perfect pair uh, so that he could teach me the underwriting. He already had plenty of experience, so I was able to to be able to get under his wing right. and get my first deal, which was in a place called Hearst, Texas, mm-hmm. in the Dallas uh, area, a uh, 94-door, mm-hmm. uh, 1967 building. But it, it was great. It ended up to be a real little cash cow. And we turned it around with wonderful returns. But I was able to, again, have the help of that experienced partner to teach me uh, to go along the way. But it wasn't easy. Again, it took me a, a good year and a half of underwriting, looking at properties, learning the process, learning the market uh, to then finally feel comfortable enough to hone in and put in the LOI, put down that hard money, which can be very scary and, um, yeah, you know, make the deal happen. Yeah. I love that. You know, and it's funny because when we, when we bought our first deal, our, our first du- it was a duplex, it was a nine, 94 unit, but it was a, it was a duplex. We, it took us in a year and a half as well. And I think there's two things you said really helpful for everyone listening as we're in the growth stage and, and we're learning and growing. And we're taking that time to do that. There's two pieces of the puzzle, right? The market and then the asset class. And we have to be really clear on on the time we're spending on those two pieces because they're both important, right? And you can apply the multifamily learning to any market, but you can also learn, you can do the same with markets, like why that market and then how do you replicate that? We like workforce housing in you know secondary markets. That's the kind of markets that we invest in. We're very clear on that. So if you're listening and, and you're, you are a multifamily investor, you're looking to maybe get that larger property or get, break into maybe a larger, you know, asset. The key is, you know, how refined are you? How clear are you on what you're looking for? Market geography, obviously market slash geography and asset class and then type of asset class. What, you know, how much work will you need to do? What type of value add do you want to, do you want to, you know, to really focus in on? Some people want less work, you know, more class B property. Some really want to go in and turn it around, which is more of the work we do. So the specific, you have to be so specific. And I just want to mention how I like what you said there, because I think so many people want to grow their portfolios. When you really ask them, what is your deal criteria? They just can't answer it. Oh, any deal that, that that's just not going to work in today's environment, right? I don't know. Do you, you find the same thing? People look absolutely, and to add on that, as a coach now for multifamily, that is one thing that I do for my students to make sure that they hone in on that criteria because everybody wants to get a deal right as fast as they can. Yeah. However, having that criteria nailed down will help you to vet out the deals that you don't need to underwrite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then we'll help, help you. you go faster. Yep, and who can help you right in terms of brokers. So let's talk about today's market. You know, it's an interesting market. As a, as a fellow multifamily investor, our last purchase was a 670-unit portfolio deal last year. So probably the middle of la- last year. We have made a lot of uh, offers. You know, we uh, have had a lot of kind of best and finals. And, you know, the prices are still high. Uh, and that is what we're, our team is experiencing right now. And we're pretty, pretty seasoned uh, syndicators as well been around a long time. So we have relationships 
We know our markets. We're not dabbling. You know, this is our business and we're, and we're growing it. So curious to see what you're experiencing, you know, in terms of just acquisitions. Uh, any, any, you know, what, what are you finding and what creative ways are you employing to find new, to find opportunities right now that are not overpriced? Yes, that has definitely been difficult in the sense that the sellers right now are not coming down to two, uh, you know, 2023 prices after all of the upticks that we have seen in the last year. And so what I'm looking at is a lot of how I can be more creative on the lender side, because the financing now is really the key to saving some money, basically, and getting to the, the best price for us and our investors who definitely come first. So that is the side that I've been really focusing on because as many of us know, the prior bridge loans or the variable rates have been very tricky to navigate. So that is what I'm looking at first. Now, again, as far as, you know, looking at uh, the property itself, I tend to go for something that's going to have more of an organic growth, meaning the organic growth of the rents, um, a bit of that value add, and not relying heavily on the other income that I can push that income up. Because if we are in a recession and people debate whether we are or not, folks in the working class uh, apartments, so that the B, C, well, well, the C class, that I tend to buy might not have that extra income right at this point. So those are some of the facts and figures that I'm looking at. I'm curious, have you been struggling to keep your vacation rental booked? I totally get it. It's tough to manage and keep filled. But we found something that really works. It's called Vacasa. They've seriously changed the game for a lot of the BP audience. In almost every market they're in, Vacasa manages to fill up the calendar more than anyone else. And get this, the average Vacasa user sees about 24% more bookings than with other managers. That's a lot of extra income. Curious to see what you could be earning? You can get a personalized income estimate right there. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised at what Vacasa can do for you. Check out biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa, spelled V-A-C-A-S-A, biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm curious with the the creative side and the le- the lender. Are you, uh, you know, because you could buy a property for a million, two million, and how you finance it makes all the difference. Especially is the higher the higher the price of the property, right? Really makes a big difference. A, a little percent, uh, it, you know, a little percent going up that that valuable rates really make a difference on properties that you know it's not just on a duplex, but on hundreds of pro- hundreds of units. So tell us about it, you know what what does that look like for you? Meaning, are you working with less like, you know, like the institutional, more more with passive investors? Like what are you structuring it differently? Like what um, you just staying away from like the bridge loans and the, and the variables? What kind of creative uh, strategies are you employing specifically? Well, yes, absolutely. Uh, you know, 
trying to stay away from the variable rates right now because even investors don't want to uh, invest. They're they're very skeptical on that. Uh, but looking at how much of the loan to value I can not work with because now it's like 60% of that. How can I still make this a good deal with the lower leverage? And also, could I buy down a point? Is that something that would help us in the long run to cash flow our business? So really talking to the lender about what is available that can make that deal work very well, as opposed to just, you know, okay, great, you know, got 80% leverage, a good interest rate, let's go. Yeah. No, that makes a big difference. And, you know, not enough people are doing that. Have you expanded your lender relationships during this time? Have you consistently worked with the same lenders? Like, what, what does that look like for you? Yes, I do like to work with the same lender, but that doesn't always happen. Part of the reason for that is that the competition is really tough here in Dallas. Mm -hmm. And so some brokers have their criteria of who they would prefer you to work with. It's not a uh, non-negotiable, but it does tend to help, at least in a couple of deals where we use their lender and they tend to have good terms as well. Yeah. Yeah. And and you, you do have to kind of talk to a lot of different you know, lenders to see what what's going to work with the market you're in. And and you sounds like you've been in that market for quite some time. So we have to lead into established relationships, but certainly uh, being open to different ones is, especially with lenders, is important. Let's yeah. talk a little bit about, um, you know, the idea of, you know, you are basically, you know, managing these assets. And we talk, so many people talk about how to raise money and buy the property and where to find the property. And then they lead out literally the most important part is literally managing the asset. And that is where you're going to either make, you're going to make your money or lose your money. And it, always, in my opinion, mm -hmm. uh, it's, it, it's the work is to be done when the closing begins, you know, and, and, and mo many people that are in this business know that, but a lot of people that are maybe scaling into larger multi don't know that as, as much. And I just want to reiterate that. So for you, when it comes to asset managing, like what are some what have you found, you know, managing what, a couple thousand units now? What are the musts from an asset management perspective that, quite honestly, a lot of multifamily investors don't do? The must. What I really love to do, but I think is a must, is have constant communication with your property manager all the way down to the person sitting at the leasing desk. So we have meetings once a week or by week bi-monthly with uh, many of our properties. I want to have my pulse, you know, taking the pulse of each of those buildings and knowing what's happening, maybe to more of a degree than others do. But I, I'm very protective of uh, my investors and of, of course, the people who are working with me, the management company. Yeah. So I, I really like to uh, not only have those meetings, but we go over the budget variance uh, about every six weeks to make sure that we are on target uh, because that's very important. It can get away from you. And uh, the person at the desk, the manager, that's not always their focus. You know, they're focusing on our tenants. They're focusing on leasing, leasing, uh, yeah. things like that. But we need to bring back uh, the awareness of, hey, you know, 
these expenses, uh, what's happening here, you know, hey, we need you to work with the maintenance guys, uh, talking about other types of expenses or make readies. So I do get a little bit more in the weeds potentially than some operators do, but I, again, want to give that great product not only to my tenants who are there, but to our investors. It's very important to me. Yeah, and that that is very important. I think what you're saying too is really helpful is when you even even when you have a property manager in place, they don't see what an owner sees. They're never going to, or they don't even have the same vision as you. So it's us. Uh, it's our role, right? As the owner, as the as the GP, as the operator, call it what you mm-hmm. want, depending on the size of the property, to really in, re-enroll the person that's the day to day manager ongoingly because they are going to get so into what they are doing leasing that unit making sure the tenant you know the tenant is taken care of and that's all very important work but they may not be thinking about budget versus actual right because ultimately ultimately as you're running your your assets right it's about the business plan and and are you, are you moving towards accomplishing what you set out to accomplish on that mm-hmm. building and so especially as you get into larger multifamily uh, because there's a business plan and you're either you're either on target or you're off target. So it, and so that's so critical, right? I like that you re-engage the the team, if you will. That's the day-to-day team. When you say pulse, what are other things besides budget versus actual that that are kind of the other buckets that you really want to see what what is happening in? Is it, you know, occupancy, vacancy, you know, what what are those key metrics, if you will, that you're like, these are my musts. These are the things that I got to have a, bu- a pulse on so we know mm-hmm. the ship is moving in the right direction. Right, right. And so I would tell you that right now, especially in these times, is uh, definitely the uh, occupancy and keeping up with my managers on what the perspective is 90 days out, making sure that we have leases behind any sort of uh notice to vacate or uh, evictions that we might have. I want to make sure that uh, we have leases to back that up to keep the place in uh, a higher occupancy. So we do look down the line. We look at what are the expiring leases 90 days out, uh, getting those letters out to have the per- people come on in and renew their leases or knowing who's not going to be leasing uh, for the next year. And again, having the leads of new leases come in. That yeah. That is definitely a KPI for us so and, that we can keep it occupied. I love that. And I think that's such an important part of like what's ahead, right? You're looking yes. ahead. You're not looking, be- you know, obviously behind. Mm-hmm. So many people are like, well, we have, you know, uh, you know, 90% occupancy or we have all of our units rented and they, they and they don't even really have the, the, the pulse on what's happening 90 days out. And if they do, it's not, it's not proactive, it's reactive. And then that's the last place you want to be, especially in that is true now. Mm-hmm. Um, I like, I like that a lot. When, when it comes to work with property managers, they're not all created equal and, and we've had our share of challenges. What would you say is your is your best advice in working with property managers and how to, I love what you're saying here and, and having that weekly cadence, that, that communication, but even beyond that and obviously sharing the vision, which I also love as a tip and getting them included in like the business plan itself, not just the specifics of what they're doing. Any other tips? Because 
it can be hard for a lot of people listening, uh, you know, working with those property managers and, and um, I don't know, singing off the same sheet of music, quite honestly. So any other tips or strategies that you've done so you can have an uh, like an exceptional relationship with your property manager, not just a good one, because that's not going to cut in today's market. So what, what have you done to really create that exceptional relationship with your um, managers? Yeah, let me go back to my psychology days. Yeah, and, see, that's perfect, right? <laughs> and yes, and, and uh, <laughs> explain that when you are even interviewing a property management company, you need to go with your gut and feel good talking to that person. That and, and don't don't think that your intuition is wrong because you're typically right. And so really thinking about that. So for example, we uh, spoke with one person uh, and that person kept interrupting us in, in the middle of our sentences. And I just thought, nope, this isn't going to work. So it's not that I was being critical. It was that I'm realizing that this is the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. And, and so that is important in listening to potential property manager. So other people who will listen full sentence and then repeat, you know, or, or retort, that's great. That works for me. Uh, so I think just out the gate. Also, when looking at management, how do they do their monthly calls? Are they experienced with that? Is it just an Excel sheet or do they have Microsoft Teams or something more professional? And that's something that I like very much is having something more professional, not just, you know, uh, the scratch pad of Excel per se. So uh, being on that same page is very, very important. Yeah, having a good rapport with that manager who is taking care of your property because she's the heartbeat, she or he, uh, who are there. Having a, a good working relationship with them, doing the best that you can, having somebody energetic is also very, very important because they are the first contact that people have at your building and you want them to have a very good experience. Uh, so it is also true that, yeah, not bothering them too much over the weekend or nights, that I know has been critical in uh, all of our uh, experiences that, you know, if you're going to have an issue with your property management, do it during the week. They don't need this over the weekend. Yeah, certainly. So those are a couple of thoughts. Yeah, I love that because it is it is so important that um, that the rapport gets gets uh, established early on, and and you also start to see what property managers work for certain buildings because that does yeah. impact, right? And, and it's like the building has its has its own brand and uh, has its own kind of personality, if you will, and and you know, and, and it's so important. I know for us, we've and let go of a couple of property managers because they're, you know, they, they, they're almost like in status quo where it's really a turnaround building. So them in another building that's just maybe, you know, 95% occupied and it's more of like in a maintenance mode is stable asset. They'd be great. But in terms of like a turnaround and you need someone who's a little more aggressive, you need a little more of a, you know, like you said, a lot of energy and, and someone who's really going to push, right? You may not need that in a maintenance stable asset because then they're going to be all over the place. So again, what is happening in the building? What's the business plan in the building? 
And do you have the right property manager to match that business plan? That's the other question that we've had to ask. And you don't realize it all the time because you're like, oh, you know, they're a great property manager. Well, yeah, but where where were they? Where were they? Oh, they've been working for 10 years at a stable asset. And now you're buying a property that's 50% occupied. That's a little different, right? So I love that you're saying it. I love what you're saying. And it's something to keep in mind, right? To, to, to do the matchmaking game. I know we've been mm-hmm. through that. I, I know we've been through that. Rebecca, I love this. I think you've, uh, you've shared some, some great, great tips and great, you know, food for thought, especially as we work with property managers, especially we position ourselves in today's market and just what's really important, you know, in terms of metrics and KPIs. So where can the ladies listening to learn more about you? Oh, great. Yes. Um, you can find us at, uh, www.starboardequity.com and that's S-T-A-R-B-O-A-R-D equity, starboard equity. Oh, right here. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Good stuff. And uh, this will be, that will all be in our, our show notes and we're going to transition, Rebecca, to our fabulous three questions. So the first one is what is the most transformational book that you have ever read? I would say The Power of Positive Thinking. I know that's an oldie, but a goodie. They're all, but, they're all, the oldies are those the goodies, you know? <laughs> and really thinking about and taking control of your own mind and deciding what is going to go into this mind, you have the power to decide on what you're going to focus on and what you're going to listen to and decide which way you're going to spin your own story. You can spin it negatively or you can spin it positively. We have a choice. Mm. And so when we take that control of our mind, we can do really great things. Yeah, so so important, so true. So what is the most powerful routine that you do to live financially free and balanced life? My routine has been that self-discipline to do the things I think that's important that do the things that you don't want to do at least once a day and whether that might be a workout one day or whether it might be sitting at your desk one day or whether it's going into an ugly apartment it you need to do maybe what you don't want to do Um, because sometimes we can allow ourselves to not do those things and that can become a bad habit as well so yeah getting up and doing what i might not want to do but it gives me the freedom to do what i do want to do yeah yeah so so true and then last question here which women famous or not has inspired you the most (laughs) and that would be my aunt lorraine uh she is uh, amazing she's uh, a beautiful person who helped me to sort of build my self-esteem as a young girl and to help me believe that I could do anything, that I could do things that I didn't believe I could when I was young or even as an adult. She is an amazing woman. So it's great. We need we need those role models, right? And in, in, yes. in our life. So uh, Rebecca, thank you so much for being on our show. Thank you for sharing your your wisdom with our community and our, our listeners. And we appreciate your time very much. Well, thanks for having me, Liz. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to receive updates on our next interviews, go to our website, therealestateinvestor.com. 
There, you can subscribe to our show, become part of our investor community, and get updates on upcoming episodes. If you like our show, please share it with other women who would benefit. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. And as always, we encourage you to take one action as a result of today's show and put it into motion so you can live both a financially free and balanced life. Thanks for spending time with us. Ciao.